You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, we are uh, here in the middle of a conversation on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, but I just decided better press record quickly because there's a lot happening. I am here with uh, my friend, Linz Piper Loomis. And if you did not catch our first interview together, you'll have to go to Rumble because it was too hot for YouTube. And to find out why, go to Rumble. Because if I say the words, the magic words, <laughs> quote unquote, right? Uh, yep. Um, I'll get the boot again. In fact, you know, they didn't even let me post that interview to Vimeo, Linz. I couldn't even post it to Vimeo that hot, but here we are for round two and we have different subjects to talk about than what we uh, got to the first time. And, and, and we're also we're just in the middle of talking about something, you know, uh, a lot of us were, were, were left quite confused two years ago and, and we're talking about some of these things, but, but leading up to that um, two years ago, there, there was a movement. And I said, at the end of our last interview, Linz, I, I really want to talk about Q with you. Mm -hmm. Now you ran for office and you got to see a lot of the inner workings of the Republican party, at least in your state. Um, you've met a lot of people and, um, you know, so, so there are things that are happening that are actually happening. And then there's everything that they said in the Q movement, military's in control, military's gonna save the world, Trump's gonna be president for sure in 2020 and um, all kinds of other, all the bad guys are going to jail. They're doing hangings at Gitmo. I mean, like there's a lot of stuff that came out with the Q movement, like believe this, believe this, believe this. And here we are in 2022 going into midterm elections uh, and, and our whole economy is, is really been trashed. Mm -hmm. uh, our inflation is through the roof. I mean, hamburger costs ten dollars <laughs> oh i know it's crazy <laughs> you know I, 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 it's just it's just nuts okay I, i'm going to open up this you know and, and and here's the thing friends if you go back in our archives i talked about the q movement when the q movement no one even knew what it was it was like what is this and, and we did some interviews on that and you know i i was an interviewer the whole time that that's basically been my position. And then I stepped away and I said, you know, I'm not going to explore this further for now, but today, Linz, I want you to tell us your journey with that. Yeah. So I didn't even, I know this is going to be like crazy for some, but I didn't even know what it was until, um, that, it, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know about that whole thing until, um, after, Let's see, we're in 20, uh, until I think it was um, almost two years ago. Like, I know it came from before that time period, um, but, you know, I really didn't know what it was. And so as I started to hear about it, I was observing what was happening. And, um, you know, we, we hear that there are truths in, in some things, but we know Satan is not truthful. And so a lot of what I saw was, was an, an encouragement or a motivation for people to sit back and watch to see 
the show. And one of the things was that uh, Biden was, it was all a production. It was a movie. And that's not the case. He is, I call him the resident in the White House um, for obvious reasons, uh, which we will not say right now. But um, I, you know, so that was, that was the first thing because our country's DNA and inherently us creating the image and the likeness of God, God invited um, Adam to co-create with him when he asked him to name the animals. We know that he named the animals by their function, not just like Sally, Joe, Jane, or whatever, but it was actually based on their function when you look at the original text. And so God is always inviting us into the scene with him instead of sitting back watching everything happen. That's not who he is. He does display his work. He does show us his move. Yes, but um, the way that our country is designed is that the government belongs, the governance of this country belongs in the hands of the people, not in a um, institution. And so this mindset of the movement, in my personal opinion, put that power back into an institution instead of into the people. So we're watching all this, you know, different things. I never did get the code. It, it's just, it's, it's interesting. But then, um, you know, I've been accused of being a part of it. And I'm like, I'm not a part of it because I'm a mover and a shaker. I want to make, I want people to be activated and doing not just voting, but I want people to be actually engaged in their civic duties as Americans, getting involved in whatever um, party, whatever. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to try to behave. Um, but no, I, please don't. <laughs> but, you know, so that was the big, that was a huge red flag for me. But then the other thing that I began to see because of my experience of being um, trafficked and the way that I was and how I understood um, the corruption in the government, then we started to see like, um, we know certain things are happening. You and I both know those things are happening, but then it took it like way out there. And then it was like, um, people who are literally fighting for the January, um, for justice, um, for certain things and, uh, and like c congressional members, it, you don't know what they're doing on, on the scene, but I know behind doors, they're working on stuff. They couldn't put it all out there. And so there was an attack on certain congressional members and senators. Oh, they're rhinos. Oh, they're going to go to Gitmo because they've done this. And it's like, wait a second, they're actually fighting for you but you don't put your strategy out in public. And I think one of the biggest things was there was a, a, a podcast, a very popular one. Many people listened to it at the beginning. Even I listened to it because I thought, how is this guy getting all these views? Like, what is he saying? So I listened to him. Same thing. Watch the show, get prepared, huddle in your homes. You know, the worst of the worst is going to happen. And God challenged me, said, go back to scripture. What does it say? That's not what we're supposed to do. And then um, a lot of the things that he said never came to pass. And then he kept saying, he's talking to all these generals. And I'm thinking, if I know my husband being in the military, the generals don't put out what they're going to do. 
that's like one of the dumbest moves to do. Why would you, you might put out a strategy, but knowing that that's not going to be the strategy, um, you know, you might lead people to believe something. But when you say you're talking to all these generals and they're giving you all this information and then nothing happens. And so then people began to live in a place of hope deferred because they were waiting for the movie to, to commence or to end. And yet they were still left sitting there. And then here we are at the midterms. Some people are still waiting and others have figured out, oh, I'm the solution. I need to be involved because that's what our inherently encoded in our DNA is um, sovereignty of the people. Like exactly what our constitution and declaration of independence states. And so anyways, so that's kind of where I stand with it. I am not a supporter of it. If it comes out to be that it was, you know, a misinformation or it was meant to confuse the enemy, great. But from what I have seen from it, there might have been some things that came to pass. Um, but what I see come to pass more is the word of the Lord and people actually moving upon what God has told them to do. Look at that. You know, that, that, that there was a point as I was uh, a few years ago, um, exploring Q. And, and of course it was brought to my attention and people were like, Daniel, you need to look at this because you're a conspiracy guy and this and this and such and such. And they said, oh, it's, it's all about the children. We're trying to save the children. And I'm like, I'm all about saving the children, right? And, and, and you know, I, I began to explore it. And the whole, th you know, then I, my wife and I, we really got into some conversations about the, the concept, trust the plan. And it's like, okay. But when the plan that I have to trust requires me to believe deceptive statements as a rule, I'm a little concerned, right? And then we started looking at it like, what's the percentage rate of accurate state, like like forecasts versus this, and mm -hmm. you know, it's challenging percentage, right? To to hang your hat on, and then you know, I think the final blow comes when we look at okay, so you're you you're here, Linz, to change things. That's what God put you here for. He's like, you're, you're going to change things for my kingdom. I'm here for the same reason. Can I tell you, there is no point in time as a person sent here to bring change that I would tell people that are listening to me, sit back and do nothing while you watch me do everything. Because as a leader, fundamentally, People try to lock you into that role. Like as a pastor, forget about it. You be religion for us and go where with God and serve us and pray for us, and make all our dreams come to pass. And by the way, you know, if we didn't get a breakthrough last time, you need to get on the phone with us again, midnight when we need you the most, right? And all these expectations. And it's like, just do it. No leader in the right mind is going to sign up for that. Like they eventually you read a point they no, the people need to embrace the vision. That's right. And Write the vision on the tablet and run with it. So you can run with it from Habakkuk. It's, it's hard. It, it, it's, it's hard to say, wow, this is the ultimate strategy where everybody that is in the know all has to sit down and watch. Like to me, the messaging, I don't know. Well, you brought up, you brought up something else. Um, mm. When you were talking, you were talking about how in that movement that all the children had been rescued. But during this time that the virus mm. was out, 
um, do you know that, that there was an actual uptick in trafficking? Because we, it was more scrutinized. So they were being, there was the ability to, they had to navigate and do things differently, but um, grooming increased. Um, the online channels, uh, you know, of course our government's gotten involved with that, but um, you know, all of that had it saw an uptick. It didn't decrease, it only increased. And then, so to sit here and say, I mean, I, I know that um, Biden is in the White House like that. It, I don't like it. I don't like him being there. And I really don't support him as um, a leader in this country. But that's where he is. I mean, he doesn't even know where, where he is. We know this. No, he doesn't. But it's just crazy. Um, it's really sad that, I mean, I consider that like a form of elder abuse personally. But then on the flip side of this, um, President Trump is not in the White House. He's in his summer White House because it's, you know, it's actually technically was labeled as the uh, as the White House and was tried that property. I think if I remember the story was originally given to the government to have like a summer White House for the president of the United States. When I was looking back at the history of it, I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that. But anyways, so he's down there. I've, I've met him. I met him last May, saw him in person. And he is, he is, I believe that um, he is the right one. Mm -hmm. just gonna watch my words so we can actually have this on other channels but um so so that's where i get with that whole movement i just think it's malarkey and it maybe someone used it as a strategy to um upset the enemy because like you said earlier mainstream media hates it hates it Yeah, it, 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 it was a confusing thing. You know, one of the rules of thumb seems to be if the mainstream media hates it, it's probably right. Um, not in all cases. But here we are. And um, still fighting the good fight of faith. Uh, you, you've been working on a number of things. I, I want to I, I spend a little bit of time with you talking about the whole subject of the battle against child trafficking. Now, this is a mantle that you have taken up. God has clearly given you some things here. And, and look, children are being trafficked. And this, this problem is systemic. It goes to the highest levels. There are very powerful people making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, three-letter agencies are not the solution. They're part of the problem in many cases. What, what, what are you navigating on this subject? Well, um, it's interesting because I was, I, was, I was connected with a new friend this past week from another country that is a, a major, amazing person. And you know, we were actually talking about um, different organizations that put out all these things that they're doing and rightly so if they're they're doing that many rescues if they're doing that many things but I just really sense that the word is like don't put all that out there like a lot of times the people that are making an impact in this area you may never have heard of them or maybe you don't know what they're doing but I've just found in the last couple of weeks these 
um, incredible connections made. And I'm, I'm hearing, so again, I'm gonna bring back the Q thing because it actually applies in here for a minute. Um, there was a, a release and maybe it wasn't Q, but maybe it was another post that someone sent me and asked me to vet the, the post. And um, I'm not gonna reference anything specific in it, but it was very extreme to the highest levels. And so I sent it to my friend and I said, well, you're from overseas. What do you know of these different families? What do you know of these different entities? And she just thought, well, you know, I guess it's possible, but those are some really staunch um, accusations. And so I think um, what people would identify, like we, we know about the blood sacrifices and things like that. Those are legit. But when you get into like way out there because of all the information that's put out by the Q and all the misinformation, people get so sucked down that rabbit hole and then they miss the looking out for what's right in front of them. For example, um, so there's different tiers of how people are sold. Of course, virgins are sold. Um, and, and this was confirmed again this week. Virgins are sold uh, multiple times. They're not used yet, but they're sold um, so they can get the highest price. And there's a tiered system. And we see this at the border, uh, depending on where the child comes from or where the person comes from, um, how viable they would be in certain, they, they, they have a whole system down. And so then, um, so, so anyway, so in this, in this predicament, uh, we were talking about that and, and it just, it made me so sick because people miss what's right in front of them flying on a plane. And there is a, a woman, she brought this up. She's like, there'd be a woman riding with her trafficker, maybe sitting next to another part of the plane. And you would never even know because people are so far down these rabbit holes that they're not looking for what's right in front of them. And I think that's what we have to do a better job of. What is grooming? What is trafficking? What are the modes of transportation? So for example, children, women, men, whatever, are moved through um, trains, they're moved through containers on ships, they're moved through containers on semis, they're moved by foot across the borders, not just the southern border, they're moved through yachts, uh, they're moved through ships, boats, like automobiles, like think of all the different modes of transportation. And, and so when when people are so think are thinking, oh, this could never happen to my child, but yet in their own home, their child's already talking to a trafficker on their computer through Instagram or through Snapchat. And they're like, well, I hate living with my parents. They like, don't give me any freedom. And that conversation, because that trafficker, that groomer is building a relationship to turn that child, that individual away from. And it's the brainwashing. We see it in the schools. We see it in the workplace. Um, that was, um, that's why as social emotional learning is so horrible. So anyways, I say all that to say people have got to get with the program and know what's going on. And then they need to see what are some signs and symptoms of it. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, you know, I'm in, I get calls. I got a call not long ago about a young lady that went missing, um, and another child that went missing that was with her. And supposedly this person could have ran away, but 
it didn't make sense. It didn't add up. The scenario didn't add up. And so now this child is missing. There's a bolo for one child, but not for the other. But is anyone looking for her or him? And where did the other child go? And where did this one go? Mm. Let me ask you a question. Uh, so, so child trafficking is is definitely one of the biggest problems of our day because you have a lot of families that they're actually doing what they can, but these children are being snatched up. Social media is a big part of the problem. Like, like and you know, people have introduced different ideas. You know, really long. Uh, prison sentences for traffickers and abusers. Um, other people have arrested the the traffic victims and said, well, we'll just put you in jail because that'll solve the problem. Uh, you know, people have arrested the Johns and said, well, if we just give these guys the penalty, then they'll stop paying for it and that'll solve the problem. Now, based on your analysis of, of some of these problems practically with the child trafficking issues, what do you think are the best solutions available when it comes to let's, I mean, if we were really going to try to solve the problem, if government really wanted to do some law enforcement on the problem, but that's a strong if because I have my own convictions that they don't really want the problem to stop because too many people that have deep pockets are making those pockets deeper, and 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 these are people that sit at the top of corporations and other entities that that, that really pull strings. Um, but you know what's going on? If the government really wanted to shut it down. They could do it. They have mm. the the the, um, the ability, uh, technology wise. Uh, that's why they turn the other eye when they let when the cartel bring um, terrorists across the border, which I've seen with my own eyes. Um, I actually have footage of it. So, um, but solutions. Let's go to solutions. So I always go back to the Bible, and I know there's Old Testament and New Testament, but you know God is very clear. Um, that if someone takes the life of another, um, they should be killed. Uh, there's um, other other things in place for um, taking advantage of a woman or some of these things. And usually the penalty is death. Um, so I, so number one, you can go pick up the Johns and there's going to be like 10 more Johns in that place. You can go pick up some of the cartel workers and there's going to be, they've got more. Um, it's not until you get to the root which is the government institutions that are supporting these endeavors um, nationally and globally. You can rescue the children. It's, you know, I was talking to someone, it's easy, not easier, but it's, um, you know, she was talking about how she can rescue a child in, in one country um, and, and go to a different country. In America, if you try to rescue a child and you're not deputized, you're not law enforcement, you get arrest, arrested for kidnapping. And I mean, which is, you know, a huge problem. And then they put them back in the system that is hiring these NGOs, which I'll get back to the NGOs in a minute. But anyways, so for me personally, I'm like, well, death penalty, mm. death penalty. Wow. And people are like, well, that's staunch. Well, in other countries, if you steal something, they chop your arm off. If you, um, if a, you know, woman, well, not a woman. Um, I'm sorry. If you, you know, different things. If you lie, they cut your tongue out. Now, I, I think that's a little barbaric, but there are things like if you take advantage of a child, you hurt a child, God's precious children 
or a woman, um, I'm, I know men and boys are, you know, children, men are also trafficked. Um, but I think that death penalty should be on the table. And I don't think, you know, if there's proof that it's happened, we don't wait years to do it. You hang them wow. or, you know, shooting squad, whatever. I, I mean, I'm just to the point that I think that will start sending a message. We want to make this as inhospitable. You arrest them, you throw them in there and then somehow they can get out because there is collusion on both sides. And so coming back to the NGOs, I think there needs to be major accountability. Now I have, I have my business, my LLC, and then I have an NGO, which is clean as all get out. I'm so excited, thankful for the Lord. But I, I was listening to Curtis Loftus. He's our state treasurer here in South Carolina. And, and just for the record, tell the audience that doesn't know what an NGO is. Oh, it's a, a, a basically like a, a governmental nonprofit okay. um, receives taxpayer dollars, your taxpayer dollars and government funds. And I'll explain why this is such a problem and then, you know, talk about the solution. So, so for example, this, the treasurer was within the last couple of years and he starts saying, well, our problem is these NGOs or nonprofits, they stagger them. So you, you form, you form an, a nonprofit, but then underneath that umbrella, you form another one, you form another one. He's like, and that's how they are funneling and laundering money. That's how, you know, all this starts happening. And so then when I went to the border, uh, Southern border, I went twice, I actually saw this in action. So the government contracts and works with different um, nonprofit government agencies like Catholic Charities. And they're also a major adoption agency. Like when I was, when we were stationed up in Minot, there was a Catholic Charities there for adoption. But I'm just using them as an example. And this is not defamatory because this is what we saw. This is happening. And so at the border, they're, um, they are used um, as one of the, um, if, if, if a family comes across the border, they're not a family. That's why um, president number 45 was um, testing every child that came through and the other people that were coming through with the child, finding out that those weren't, number one, those usually weren't people who were married and that child didn't belong to them. It's time for the announcements. Hey friends, Dan Duvall, uh, with some news right in the middle of this podcast, my internet went out as we were recording. So this podcast is being divided by this announcement. And what you'll see is since we recorded the next day, the rest of this interview continues with different outfits and so forth. So there is no need for confusion now. I do want to let all of you in our listening audience know that this podcast is supported not by tax-deductible donations, but by sales from our online store and from our podcast patrons. And patrons, one of the best benefits being a podcast patron is that you get these podcasts a day early. So while we release to everybody on, on Thursdays, 
you get on Wednesdays with a special email just to you. You also get a free class available on manifest.space, which is our private social network and some other benefits. And, and, and friends, if you have not checked out the online store at dandevall.com, be sure to check out the merch there. T-shirts, flip-flops, handbags, robes, mugs, cool stuff. Now, we're going to get right back to this podcast. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Those were your announcements. All right, Lynn. So now we need to come back to another conversation that that is very important for both of us. And, And that's the subject of stopping bringing actual solutions to the problem of child trafficking and and you have some this is something that you've been working on and and i know that as a uh a, a rising politician right you have ad- objectives to to accomplish in this area and and i want to talk about it you know the 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 problem of child trafficking in my opinion is is not being solved effectively because who's making money who's connected and you know the just from top to bottom it, until people address the fact that three letter agencies are funding operations with child trafficking that these traffickers do not work independent of certain elements of the government supporting and even bankrolling elements of what they do or covering it from the legal perspective, I, I mean, we're not going to get to the bottom, but I want to talk to you. What are you looking at as solutions to this problem? Well, one very key piece is to awake the sleeping giant, which is the people. Um, one thing that is, I noticed, um, I was I was at an event when I was still running for office uh, for Congress, U.S. Congress, and I, I had the unique privilege to go and be amongst um, our state leaders, judges, different things like that. And I was sitting in front of a federal judge and his girlfriend, and I was talking with his girlfriend about the, the border and my trip and I was talking about the rape trees and things like that. And um, he just got up and walked away. And I knew instantly discernment that he knew what was going on. And then the girlfriend, she's an attorney, um, super sweet, uh, but did not believe me. And I said, well, here's the footage. Like I showed her the videos that I had from the border. She's like, well, that's not an American soul. And I said, if you look in this video over here is the port of entry and I'm standing right here on American soil. So I was able to verify that. And so um, anyway, so that brings me to my point is that a lot of people cannot handle what is happening, especially when you start talking about our government, um, you know, turning a blind eye um, to what's going on and allowing terrorists to cross the border in exchange for what? What are they exchanging? And, you know, they have the ability to shut all of this down, um, but they don't. And so um, the awakening the sleeping giant, getting in, in front of people besides just like, Uh, conferences that are geared for trafficking, but getting into communities, getting into schools. So schools, I'm obviously not going to be talking about rape trees, right? That's not 
um, appropriate, but giving them tools to understand what does it look like for um, someone to um, be approaching me for grooming in social media, like little kids, because this is where they're getting hit. Um, giving them tools to keep themselves safe and, you know, so going from that very elementary level, no pun intended, to, you know, getting in communities, getting in front of churches. Churches is a big thing because, um, in my opinion, and I could be wrong and I'm okay with being wrong, um, a lot of the churches just turn a blind eye to this and sweep it underneath the rug. But it also needs to be an education model inside of um, political parties, inside of, um, I mean, just different venues and starting to talk about here's the, you know, as it says in scripture, here's the milk. And then in some places we can bring forward the solid meat because it is the largest criminal enterprise. Um, one of my former opponents, the incumbent, wanted to um, federalize recreational marijuana. And I have a problem with that because we have, um, we have marijuana that's getting laced with fentanyl. And now as she's promoting that and praising Biden on what he's doing with that, and she's supposed to be a Republican, we have, a, we had um, in Somerville, South Carolina, where I live, they found enough fentanyl, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think to kill a million people. Wow. So, so it's all about education and awareness. And then it's giving people a call to action. So, you know, you and I were talking about the Q movement, which kept people on their butt and like living in the horrors of everything was happening. And I didn't say this yesterday, but I just felt like it was preying on the fears of people. This is the end of the world. This is this, which is not biblical because there's a lot of things that have to take place um, before um, any of that happens. But anyways, so giving people a call to action, getting them involved in the process to end this. So not waiting on an elected official or someone like me who hopes to be in office someday to change legislatively, but what can we do in our own community to make this very inhospitable for um, the cartel, for these things? So for example, my church is amazing. Love our apostolic center. And um, we're getting involved with the um, anti-trafficking in our community. So one of my the guys that kept me safe um, security-wise on the campaign trail and afterwards um, sometimes travels with me. He was the, he's retired law enforcement. And so he was showing me where the trafficking, um, where the trafficking has kind of increased, like the territory is what I'm trying to say, sorry. <laughs> and um, so where the cartel have increased their territory and kicked out like other gangs. Um, and so, and this is a big deal. So how can we make it inhospitable? Well, how can we bring the church into that? And so there's things that we're working on that I'll be able to talk to you guys about soon. Um, and you know, my, one of my apostles had a brilliant idea. And so, um, and actually I think the security guy is like, Hey, you guys should pop up a, a tent over here. And at this, I bet this hotel would let you do it. And so, you know, going into those areas um, and and changing the atmosphere, right? So that's another way to do that and making that inhospitable. And there's ways that we can do that uh, working with law enforcement. There is a lot of corruption 
we have a, a huge trial taking that's ongoing in our state right now that is really uncovering how dirty some of our judges and lawyers and state leaders are. And, and so that's, it's, it's about one education and awareness and two plugging the people in as a solution because we can solve this problem. I mean, God is a solutionary. Yes, but he uses us. So just uh, so everyone knows, I believe that God is the ultimate solutionary, but um, so that's kind of that situation. Now, politically speaking, um, if I can say this, mm-hmm. um, I was in a conversation with someone yesterday uh, a pretty good influencer within the Republican party in the County I live in. <laughs> and, um, he's very nice. And he's like, I have a lot of respect for you, but why did you, um, publicly come after this Republican ch- County chair? And number one, it's an elected official. I can voice my concerns over any elected official. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, Libertarian, Tea Party, it doesn't matter as a voter and as a citizen in this county, I can, that's my freedom of speech. And so what ended up happening was in a neighboring county, they endorsed Democrats for the school board. And in our county, um, our chairman works for a political consulting firm and he endorsed school board candidates, one on behalf of the party. So that said that county's party, but then he personally endorsed four and he put his name on it and underneath his name was his title. And he, one of those candidates is employed, has employed that consulting firm. And he's done this repeatedly um, supporting during a candidacy. So, so anyways, the conversation's going on and he's like, you know, why are you saying this? And I said, look, we as Republicans need to look in the mirror and stop sweeping all this underneath the rug. So part of the solution of this is recognizing that we cannot blame everything on the Democrats because I, I've, I've said it from the beginning of my campaign trail was this is a uniparty. There is an organized effort, group of people, regardless, or, um, no party aside, that are working actively to keep the power away from the people. And then they want to sweep things underneath the rug and compromise. And I don't believe that that individual, when you put yourself, your job, your company, and your position above the people, you don't deserve to sit in that seat anymore. You can make some other mistakes, but when you repeatedly do the same thing, and he didn't agree with me, and I said, how am I supposed to vote for someone on the ticket that's been in rehab for drinking and won't pass any legislation to combat trafficking? How am I supposed to vote for another person that is supposedly Republican, but is has all these exceptions of why they support abortion and has co-sponsored legislation for the trans agenda, yet is attacking the Democrat for that. It just doesn't make sense. Well, now we're in this point where we have to vote for these people. And I said, but we shouldn't be doing that. We should, we should be removing them from our party, um, just like Wyoming did with Liz Cheney. And so part of this is reforming the the establishment, if you will, the uniparty establishment. And I have a lot of respect for this man, um, you know, and he, he, he was not puffed up in any way. He wasn't like, but he said, I have a lot of influence across the district. And he was talking about how long his family had lived here. And I, I just, 
um, I was cold outside. And so we're going to have coffee. But it got to a point where I'm like, well, at what point do we stop compromising? You compromise and you put other things um, before, like you put yourself before, you don't deserve to represent us. And that's these local school boards or these local seats are the most powerfully elected positions in the country. The sheriff, the local GOP chairs, executive committeemen, and then the um, sheriffs and school board. So if we can change that at the local level, then we can get rid of, um, we can hold accountable these officials that are allowing the atrocities with trafficking, with what's going on at the border. Well, you, you know, you, you said a few things really key here. I'm going to have you provide us a definition because there are some listeners that do not know what a rape tree is. Oh, yeah. It's okay because discovering the truth with Dan Duvall, discovering truth is is for the purpose of meat. That's why people come. Right. You know, I, I might as well just put trigger warning over my whole podcast because we're that's what we do. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. I mean, explain that, and then I, I'm going to follow that up. Yeah. So a rape tree is. Um, so at the border, I was down in Arizona. I was also in Texas, but in Arizona, I spent about six, seven days. I can't remember the exact days. But when you go out to the border, um, when when children come across the border and women, um, I just want to preface this by saying, normally when they come across as a family, they're really not a family. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Trump was DNA testing the child and um, the perpetrators and finding out and doing background checks. But um, the children are drugged with Dramamine. Um, there was an instance where there was over 20 children ages from infancy to like teenage and supposedly all they were all with all these men they had been drugged there is video footage of this i have to find it and i'll send it to you and all of the all of these men said that all of the moms had abandoned these children there's no way because in the latino culture because these were all hispanic children i think um and we have over 100 nations coming across the border but in that culture they value their family they don't just I mean, that's not that's not in their culture just to abandon their children. Um, so anyways, they drug these children with Dramamine. The um, National Guard was there and they were communicating with the cartel who were moving these children. Um, they were basically saying that the National Guard were like, come back tomorrow at this time. Now, there was a couple of journalists there. One of them um, is a friend of mine. And so they were like, wait a second, you're making arrangements at another time to move these kids. These kids were obviously like comatose, like they were, they had been drugged. But what happens is these kids are drugged, they're raped, their undergarments and diapers are hung on trees as trophies. Women are raped. Um, They are given a morning after pill. And basically they're told as a part of your down payment to get across the border. And this is any nation, like any of the nations coming across. This is not just South American Um, or Latino countries. This is Russian. This is Ukraine. This is um, Middle East. This is a ton of different nations. And they're raped. And if they fight, they're killed. And then they're gang raped and their underwear and undergarments are hung on trees as trophies. And then the the female will take the, um, the morning after pill. Now, if they get caught at the border, that woman has to go back through all of that again. And a lot of these people that are coming across the border are tattooed, um, braceleted, 
brand, um, branded or tagged for how they were going to be trafficked. A lot of babies have been found headless inside the Rio Grande and their, their bodies are decayed. So their bodies at one point, everything was carved out, the organs were harvested and they used that baby's body to move drugs across the border. And so this is just one piece of the giant puzzle, um, horrific puzzle. And so that's kind of what that what that means. And I actually saw them. I had video footage um, of that. See, and, and this is where I think people need this. They need the definitions. That's why I'm here. You know, we, we, we heard when, when Trump was in office, the atrocities at the border. People would come on news. They never explained the detail because it's so graphic, so awful so despicable that you i mean on a lot of public venues you can't go into the details it's that bad yeah but this is i mean and i live in texas i'm not near the border in houston but i mean we're in the state and and what happens at the border does affect everything and um thank you for defining it it's a big problem okay next 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 question um comes back to uh the creation of inhospitable environments and i don't know if this is just a, a question or just a comment here's the deal i meet so many christians and other people that you know the problem is they want to believe in a world that doesn't exist lens they want to believe in a world that doesn't exist yeah and and, and i'll just line up the things right Okay, so so they want to believe that uh, we have a, a a justice system. But we don't have a justice system. We have a legal system. Our legal system works on a basic premise: how much justice can you afford, and who do you know, and why? And um, you know, they they, they want to believe that there are government agencies that are out to protect their kids. There might be employees in some that would like to do that if they could. And then there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. They 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 want to believe that trafficking doesn't happen right under their noses in their homes in in the community in their schools. But here in Katy, Texas, I'm aware now that people have been trafficked right out of high schools. I mean, literally, mm -hmm. children just being picked up from the schools and and take. I mean, how how does that even happen? But it does. It does. It is happening. Um, and, and I mean, that doesn't touch the the darker stuff of the SRA and everything else we deal with. I'm just outlining. There are so many things. And, and until the church decides to not be a sleeping giant anymore and say, you know, we're going to accept the fact that there are very dark things happening. And it's our responsibility, duty, and purpose to be part of the solution. We're stuck. We're stuck because, you know... You can't offload responsibility when the problem is this big, you know, one or two people cannot solve it. And the military, I mean, God bless them. Um, and and the, coming back to the whole Q thing, but look, most of the people in the military need healing and deliverance just as much as the survivors that are being trafficked do. I mean, a lot of these people have been through horrible PTSD stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they have themselves been part of government programs that have prepared them for certain branches and divisions of the military that they're involved with that involve mind control to an extent or not to an extent, it's fully. Um, th there's a lot of darkness. I mean, and, and, and everyone needs a touch from Jesus. You yeah. know, you can't just mm -hmm. sit back and expect 
I don't even know. Okay, so so this brings me back now to um. All right, we have we have some solutions to stop child trafficking. Talk to me about about your view of justice. What does justice look like when 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 you are tackling this problem? Mm, well, eradicating it, um, blowing up the entire system. On the campaign trail, I said we need to abolish the three-letter agencies, the Department of Education. And one of my opponents said, um, oh, you abolish the Department of Education and then for school choice at the federal level. And I'm like, you can't, you can't abolish Department of Education and then have school choice. It has to go back to the local and the state level. Um, so, you know, a lot of what's happening, uh, the grooming is happening through the schools. Um, which is preying on the on the vulnerabilities of our students. Now, my kids, one has graduated from high school, but she was homeschooled because I saw when I was living in Texas, um, the indoctrination, even though they don't call it Common Core, it was Common Core, and there's a star test, and what they were teaching these kids to um, test according on, on this test, and I I basically opted my child out and I worked across the entire state to mobilize a large effort and we, we you know, did really well, but, you know, so eradicating that and bringing things back to, that's why the school board um, candidates and people on the school board are so important because we have to eradicate the curriculum that is grooming our children and in some essences, uh, trafficking or exploiting them. I should use the word exploitation. That's probably a better word. And then at the government level, um, I told my, my apostle one day, I was like, you know, I just wish that we could just have righteousness throughout. She said, you know, <laughs> she's like, Lindsay, um, I don't know if we'll ever achieve that. But not, she wasn't like, but I was like, I am such a justice person. I want to see righteousness like across all the mountains, um, societal spheres of influence. And and she just was like, well, I don't know if we'll get there. I mean, that's the goal. But she did say, um, you know, we're, we're dealing in these dark systems. And so, um, you know, eradicating those three-letter agencies, I do have a solution for it. Um, I'm not really at liberty to speak at uh, on here um, that God gave me uh, probably within the last two years. And so we're starting to use, we're starting to put some of this um, into formation, is what I should say, into formation with some individuals that I'm working with at the national level. Um, and then I'm trying to help change the narrative uh, within the party, the one that more closely aligns with my views, which is the Republican Party, and get them to understand. So I think it looks like changing the mindset of that, changing the culture and the atmosphere of that, not to reflect bad values, but actually to give the, the, the power back to the people and not to sweep things underneath the rug. Um, calling out the Center for Disease Control for the Q chat space. Um, I think we talked about that before, um, but you know, those are things that need to be dealt with. And if we put enough pressure as a sleeping giant within the church and the Republican party, if we come together and we talk about these things at the pulpit, I mean, our church is great about, you know, we're not putting up a CRT, we're not putting up with these things, really unifying on truth and justice, righteousness. 
But if we would do that, I mean, we would see, I think, a massive flip in this. It would create that inhospitable environment. Now, you also made a statement, and I want to have, I want you to explain this. Mm -hmm. um, school boards, mm -hmm. sheriffs, mm -hmm. right? These are real power brokers. Yes. Not everyone understands why, Linz. Can you break that down? Like, why is there so much power with the sheriffs? Why is there so much power with the school boards it, it, when it comes to making real change? To talk, yeah. to explain that to us. Yeah, so um, sheriffs are pretty um, bad behind. They're, like, amazing. Um, when I was down at the border, I met several that had taken bold stands. So a sheriff can actually arrest um state officials. They can arrest your governor um, for not being uh, constitutional or for doing things that are illegal. They can arrest um, state state leaders. They can arrest city leaders. They, they have a lot of power. That's why um, when you're looking at your sheriffs in your state, which ones are actually constitutional? Um, in two counties in my state, in my district, congressional district, one that I live in, that I ran for, um, two of them. One is a flaming, flaming Democrat. I mean, she was cheering on BLM when they were rioting in downtown. Um, but she, she has so much power. She has dismantled um, the ICE uh, groups and the ICE uh, facility where they would, um, so ICE is, you know, for the, um, illegal immigrants, like violent offenders, where they would take them to um, process them um, if they were breaking the law or something like that, where they pulled them. And then another one who is a Republican, but is knowingly allowing things to go um, to happen within the trafficking of drugs and people. And I know this because there's a lot of things that have been uncovered, which I can't go into right now. But then we have we have another one that is um, in Berkeley County, super awesome constitutional sheriff, and he does a great job. Um, I can call out that county because I, I I love him. He's great. But you've got sheriffs like Scott Jenkins up in Virginia that took a stand. Um, so you guys can Google that or DuckDuckGo or whatever you use, um, and you can look at what he did. He took a stand. Amazing sheriff. Uh, sheriff Lamb from Arizona. You have some sheriffs that are really taking a bold stand. The other powerfully elected positions are school board because they determine the policies that are in place for education, but they also um, determine how money is spent. They determine, so like we have some schools that are getting tons of federal dollars and there are strings attached to that. So like, for example, COVID. Um, if they accepted the ESSER funds, uh, there was strings and ESSER funds were a, a, as a result of COVID funding. They had to, according to corrupt school boards, they had to um, mandate masks. They had to do this thing. But then that school board um, leader can actually take a step up against the CDC and say, no, that's that's not um, constitutional or whatever, um, but they can take a stand against it. They're like the middleman. They also um, have have everything to do with curriculum and, and, and all of that and safeguards in place to prevent 
um, certain types of technology, certain types of surveys, like for social emotional learning, they can curtail all of that. And then the other really powerful elected positions are inside of, for example, I'll use the GOP, your precinct chairs inside of a party. So you've got the, the state GOP leader of the party and then each county. So we have 46 counties in South Carolina and each county has a GOP chair, which is elected. That chair then in that, in that county, then each neighborhood has a like a, a an elected leader for for leading that neighborhood there's different name you know you've got um ecs and, and so in that process so then if we change the state gop or excuse me change the county gop or change the leadership then you can state you can change the state gop and then that can unravel a whole bunch of um, malarkey that's being swept underneath the rug you can wow. hold you can put someone in there that actually will deal with elected officials that are not just turning a blind eye to this stuff, but they're allowing it to happen. They're partnering with it. Now, um, okay. This is so powerful, right? And, and here's, I have to attack a concept that I think has been so misunderstood. Okay. Separation of church and state. This yes, come on, let's talk about it. Can we talk about that? Yes. Can we talk about that. Now we have the freedom to talk as much as we want about that because you know what I did? I paid for this podcast out of my own pocket. I took it off. Did not. This is not a ministry-run operation. This is Dan Duvall as a private citizen saying whatever the heck he wants. Amen. And 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 and, and this is why I have to do it because the separation of church and state is awful and, and, and it has been so misapplied because of what this is what christians have concluded um politics belong to the satanists and luciferians and whoever else happens to be a secular um the, the the church building belongs to the children of god so we'll go to the church building and hide out and pray that the wrong people do the right things and we abdicated our mm-hmm. our our in inheritance in our governmental sphere because of this misapplied idea you know really the separation of church and state as far as i understand it comes back to you know the interaction between popes and kings in europe and some of the corruption that was derived from that interaction and 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 we could talk about (laughs) the problems with the catholic church model in Europe and what happened in the past, but that has nothing to do with the fact that God has called the body of Christ to make a difference in the world in every sphere of activity, including government. People that are in the church need to realize, wait a minute, if there's going to be sheriffs that enforce justice, and if there's going to be people sitting on school boards that stand up to these things like the CDC, and if there's going to be a, a change in the way our states function, we need to keep praying and also receive our assignments into those spheres. Mm-hmm. We were called there. Yeah. Okay, talk yeah. to me. Am I missing something? No, you're you're spot on. So this was another thing I said throughout the campaign trail because people, some people gave me a hard time about talking about my faith and I'll never separate my faith from my freedom because that's what my faith gives me, my freedom. And that's what this country was founded on and it's encoded in our DNA. So separation of church and state was never designed for uh, it was designed for the government for for the government 
so that the government would not, sorry, tongue tied on that. So the government would not tell the church how they could worship. And what happened during COVID? The government told the church how they could or couldn't worship. Yes, they did. And what did they do? They bowed. Our church um, did not. I mean, I think when everything initially hit, everyone's like, what's going on? But um, we, we went, I mean, we weren't closed very long. I mean, it was like initially when things just hit and then it was, we were open and, you know, people could, could um, wear masks if they wanted to, but there was no, you have to do this. You have, there was no, you have to be vaccinated. You have to do this. Um, But I, you know, I, I really was appreciative and I know you handled things I mean, amazingly, there's there's leaders like y'all and like our church that just had to operate within the government means because because we've abdicated position and authority up into as as a large whole. I'm not saying our church or you did. That's not what I'm saying. But because of that, over the course of the last centuries and whatever, then that put us in a position where we had to conform partially to what the government was saying. Um, But then within those um, perimeters, we were able to then to start fighting back against the system. And when um, you have people like um, Apostle Cheon in California, who sued, um, it was Governor Newsom, I don't know the exact case, but he put himself out there. And as a result, there was a state Supreme Court ruling that came down and said, no, we're not going to stop these churches from being able to worship. So I think um, we have to go into that place and say, I understand my authority through Jesus Christ. I understand my role. I mean, we live in this country. We're free or we should be free. Um, and as a citizen, it is, my, it is my duty to vote, but it's also my duty to um, be involved and a lot of people say, well, government's not my thing, going back to the whole church thing. But if if you're like, well, government's not my thing, politics isn't my thing. Well, because you said that, then we are where we are. School, we gave our school over to the government. So what do we expect? Mass indoctrination of um, socialism, which is very, I was listening to a friend of mine the other day as he was describing um, how Hitler was ushered in with the Weimar um district and it's the same techniques same exact um verbs or terminology excuse me that is bringing is being brought in curriculum so um we shouldn't be separate from that and if i'm going to take this a step further we need to dismantle a lot of the ngos we need to do audits of a lot of these ngos i wish that we could operate in the political sphere maybe i'm wrong and i can be wrong like i said but i wish we could operate outside of the church sphere um, or in the church sphere and in some of these places with, without NGOs. Cause I think NGOs create a massive problem. I know that there's, there's a place for them, but I wish I didn't have to have a, a political action committee, nonprofit political organization to raise money. I wish that I didn't, I mean, I think there's, because then you're tied to what the government is wanting you to do. There's like so many strings attached. So I think there, there needs to be a dismantling of that system. I don't know what that looks like legally. And I know that <laughs> that's not probably what churches want to hear. Um, I did hear of a church, I think it was in Tennessee, that is now operating as a, 
I don't know if it's an LLC or corporation, but they got rid of their um, nonprofit status. So here's another thing that I want to um, bring up and, in, 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 you know, I, I, I'm just going to get your thoughts on this. Um, but <clears throat> this is this is what I, when, I, when I'm reading the Bible, I, I, I see things. It's part of the reason why I'm preaching all the time, right? But one of the things that I see in the Bible is seats, which are thrones. And like, you know, you had the throne of Israel, for example, and then you had a series of kings that sat in that throne. So, so, so physically, you know, if you have a palace, you could put a throne in there, sure. But spiritually, there are thrones as well. And, and, and thrones are actually a heavenly order. Like they get their own classification. The Bible says they're thrones, dominions, virtue. Like these are, these are spiritual beings, but they are seats. And I, I think one of the big pieces that we haven't realized is that when you talk about setting up a government over a nation, you know, human domain actually establishes um, the thrones that exist in the spirit over that people group. Like when you say, okay, we're going to set up a communist nation and everyone agrees, like we, we signed this charter and we established now, now there are thrones associated with that type of government. When you set up a, a republic, right. And you set up states and you set up governors and you set up, uh, you know, senators and congress, like there are seats associated with all of these things. And so we've created that, but the spiritual beings now exist and they're there. And whoever occupies the seat comes into an interface with the throne. And the way I see it, the throne is an amplification of the spiritual endowment the person that ascends to that throne carries. So if there's grave injustice, trafficking, uh, Illuminati agenda, and so forth, and that person carries that into the throne, when they sit in the throne, the throne becomes an amplifier of that, and it pushes it out over the land. It's 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 almost to me it looks like a uh, like an antenna. Like it it just disperses it. So when you have a hugely unjust president or vice president or congressman, like there's a covering of what they carry that comes over the land. And then everyone that's in the land now has to operate under that. But the, the interface point is the throne. We haven't understood interface with thrones. And this is why I, I think God is really raising up a cool generation now, because God seems to be calling people that, that, that have strong spirits powered up with his Holy Spirit, right? And coming into a new revelation of all of the spiritual inheritance that we actually have to operate as kings and priests to carry that into the thrones, because that will ultimately become this projection over the land. Once the children of God begin to take their rightful positions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I want to let you respond to that. Yeah. Um, I'm, when you said amplified, um, you know what that took me back to, mm. um, was well i mean all throughout history but recently with blm and and how they were basically given an amplified voice and why did they get an amplified voice because of um biden because of republicans democrats everyone just kind of certain ones not everybody um, just everyone so everyone knows i'm not anti-republican i'm just saying there's a uniparty but um they they were given a voice and when you don't stand up against that, um, that, that true injustice, 
um, because we have our own amplified voice. If we don't stand up against that and we don't have a spine or we don't have um, the boldness to say, no, that's not, that's not okay. Then, then our voice is brought underneath that amplification. And so what we saw with that, uh, I was actually down at Black Lives Matter Plaza. That's what it's called now in downtown Washington, DC, not far from the White House near the VA. And I was with um, some, some friends to go do some ministry. They tried to set me on fire. They literally could not set me on fire. But um, at, at one point in, in, in the night, I met this woman and um, God told me, hey, she's, she's a mouthpiece for my kingdom. And she had a megaphone. And so this is, this is like what happened in the natural. So she was all lives matter. Her son um, was killed um, by a police officer unjustly, but she said, but there, it, there's people that it's not just police. It's not just this. And, and so she was saying, it's not just black lives that matter. It's all lives that matter. And so she was speaking, well, then the BLM people were kind of buddying up next to her. And they said, Hey, can we use your, um, megaphone? She literally had a megaphone and she and I were talking and we had worship music going and we were praying for the law enforcement that were there. We were praying for BLM, for some of the people that were there that wanted to receive Jesus or just there's so many broken people. Um, and so that head of that BLM movement got the microphone and they came over and they turned off our music and they started yelling curse words and cursing us. And she took it back. She's like, I didn't, I didn't authorize you to amplify. She literally says to use my megaphone to talk that trash. She took it back and she brought it over. She turned up the, I'm getting like Holy Spirit all over this, wow. turned up the worship music and put her megaphone up to it and amplified that. And so that's, so that's what I was thinking about when you started, you know, talking about this and people are like, well, why are you getting all spiritual about all of this, about the thrones? I, I, cause I've talked to people about, you know, where we're seated in heavenly places and faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And we walk by faith, not by sight. So we know that all of this is happening in the spiritual realm first, and then it manifests here. And so anyways, that's what my that's what I was thinking about. And so I think that if enough pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and apostles will stand up on a Sunday and start talking about stuff and getting their, the people in their church to get engaged and deployed into action, and then talking about all of these issues and where the Bible stands, like truthfully, not like, oh, we're, we're for some pro-life, but it's okay in the event of rape and incest, but we just talk about these things. Um, I think that's going to take that amplification. And because we always know that light overcomes darkness, well, then that amplification of the church is going to grow and it's going to overcome that voice. And it's going to, that's what I was saying. It holds these people accountable or it, it causes them to be their amplification to be diminished basically is what I was getting at. Wow. Okay. So good. Now, now, now let's just continue on this trend, right? Cause we could kind of talk about reforming the system. And that was one of the big things I did want to talk to you about mm -hmm. reforming, reforming, um, this 
the whole thing. I, you know, I, I don't think God called you personally in, in, into politics so that you could just, you know, status quo away into a career. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, I mean, okay. How is God going to reform other areas of the system? Like what, what do you feel in the spirit he's been pointing out? What do you think that the church needs to prepare to get on board with when it comes to actual reform going forward from, from here? I mean, and, 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 and in that we could talk a little bit about midterm elections, which are, I mean, by the time this airs may have just passed, but, you know, did that, but, you know, talk to me a little bit about that element. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, I'm trying to think, how do I want to, it's going to say one thing first, but it basically it goes back to reorganizing at a local level. General Michael Flynn has a really great um, statement, local action equals national impact. And that's why when I was, you know, talking to people during the campaign and I said, um, yes, I'm not like representing, I am representing the state, I'm at the federal level, but it absolutely matters that I'm engaged at the local level um, and staying in contact. I wanted to form um, local groups, caucus groups specialized in the different societal spheres of influence so and have someone appointed over that from the people that is in constant communication with me telling me what's what's going on so we're always engaging because a lot of the state leaders um we have some really great ones that have taken a stand but a lot of them you know are not good and so um i think getting involved at the local level you know the republican clubs have very small membership we have one county in our county um, or in our district, Congressional District 1, Berkeley County. And they have, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they have the largest um, breakfast in the state. And it, they and they hold all kinds of events. They are greatly unified. Um, the way that this group operates is phenomenal. Um, not everybody agrees on things, but they don't. Um, they took a stand up against one of my against an incumbent in the state when they did certain things, they, they censored them. So they're holding elected officials accountable. They're actually operating really well. So people have to get out of the mindset that one, I can't do anything. I'm just one person. If you live in a neighborhood or you live in a farm and you've got someone 20 miles down the road, that's still somebody that you can have community with once a week, every two weeks and start talking about what are the problems? So let's talk about inflation and farming. Now the United Nations wants to monitor people who have their own home gardens. Like um, they want them to register their, their um, home gardens. I'm not going to do that. They can kiss my tail. Um, but, you know, at the local level, getting involved, everyone has some type of sphere of influence. It might be an online thing. Some people have online community, but getting people together, what are the problems in your, in your area? Well, I can't find a job here. Well, what are some solutions? Is there an online virtual assistant job? Or, you know, start talking about the problems, but then start talking together as a group about what the solutions are. And not just sticking with people that think the same way, but actually other people in your community that 
are affected because let's be real, every, all of the stuff that's happening right now is affecting the entire population. So I talked to Democrats and independents on the campaign trail, and I had a lot of Democrat support because even though I am supportive of President Trump and that whole thing, um, because I was issue-based. Well, what is the issue that's causing you the most grief right now? Someone said, I can't, I can't afford to live here much longer because of my job or where, you know, whatever. And so we talk about solutions. And so I said, well, then I want you to bring your solution to the table. And, you know, the Republicans are like, no Democrats, no Democrats, but we shouldn't have Democrats with the whole socialist idea. But if people are realizing that that extreme view is not their view and they actually more relate with the conservatives, then that's how we grow our community at the local level um, by going outside of, it's like Jesus said, preach the good news to every creature. He didn't say just stick to Israel or just stick to Syria. He said, go out throughout where the entire earth. And so that's been, so the mindset of the, the party has to change. And we do that by bringing in people who are new and fresh. I'm not saying you're bringing in Democrats. So for my friends locally or abroad that are going to listen to this, that's not what I'm saying, but a lot of these people, we've had a lot of people flip from being Democrat to conservative because they realize they didn't like their being told that they had to be vaccinated, that they had their schools had to be shut down and their kids couldn't be educated. Um, they didn't like being told they had to wear a mask. They didn't like their freedoms being ripped away. So that being said, they're, they're like, okay, this whole extreme view over here is not for me. So that's the local measure. And then um, what was the other part of it that you asked? Well, I, I, I was I think asking I addressed you, it. What, what does reform look like? So that's what reform looks like is really starting at that local level and people. Um, and, and then, so in the church side of things, having pastors stand up at the pulpit and say, you know, we don't support abortion. So anyone that lines up with that, even if you don't like that person and their temperament, but if they're coming in and they're, and they're saying pro-life, no exceptions, then that's the people we need to vote for because that represents our biblical values. So then that begins to bring reform. It starts to merge that church and government structure so that our values that this country was founded on uh, begin to pop up. And that's a local moving piece as well. So good. Okay, so 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 can we talk a little bit about, because um, you mentioned abortion, right? And praise God, Roe versus Wade went down mm -hmm. this year. The first time in our lifetimes, mm -hmm. we do not have federal law that enforces child sacrifice. That, those are, that's my opinion, right? I, I believe that abortion is, is basically putting your children on, on the altar of sacrifice to Molech. I mean, it's, it's you know. Yeah, that's and true. we have a prayer for that, by the way, at Brad Ministries, if you guys want to check that out. But the thing is, um, what are some of the implications in your mind now that that has processed through? Well, then this goes back to um, the state level. Mm -hmm. So then that's where it gets where you have to get involved in the church, bringing that reform that we talked about in the local level, talking about these issues. 
um, talking with your state officials, we don't want abortion allowed in the state. Um, and we, we don't want people traveling outside of the state to go get abortions either. We have to put that measure in place. For me, it's never okay to take the life of, of a child in or outside of the womb. Um, because some, some people are running in, the, in, in this season for the midterms that are okay with murder of a child up to over, after the child's born, up to 27 days of birth. That's when we saw um, those babies that were discovered in DC. Um, I think it has been confirmed that some of them were murdered after birth. And I posted some of those pictures up. I'm like, you're okay with this barbaric practice. So anyway, I think at the state level, so like in our state in South Carolina, uh, I have no idea why, but Lindsey Graham was wanting to make it back a federal issue again. Um, so he's, you know, kowtowing to the democratic demonic agenda again, or uniparty. And then you have people like my, um, the incumbent that was in the race that I was running in, that is for um, exceptions, rape, incest, and now she's adding more exceptions to that. And so we have to shut it down at the local level. And the, and the only way that we do that is by showing up to our state house. So South Carolina is a lot smaller than Texas, I get that, but there's hearings that are held at the state level. So showing up to those, and a lot of times you can share testimony, you get one to two minutes, sometimes you get longer, but they have committees that are, are geared towards these topics. So like um, there, there is a committee that's, you know, a medical committee or might be for ab abortion and they hear testimony from everybody, not just, you know, one group. And so, and then organizing at a local level, letting your state leaders in your district know um, whether they're, no matter where they, no matter what party they represent, that you're not okay with this and that you want to shut this down. And organizing through peace, law and order, peaceful protests um, at the state houses. We've had multiple um, rallies at the state house organized by other people for medical freedom, not for abortion, but medical freedom for against masks and, and vaccines, um, against the trans um, ideology and some of these other things and abortion. That's so good. That's so good. Now, um, well, with that said, look, uh, you do have a book lens and um, yes. we haven't talked about that hey, we did we did make a mention in our last podcast together but i want to give you some time to talk a little bit to our audience about the book um not only that you have one but some of what they can expect to find in it should they get it yes and i don't have it with me where i'm at because i had to play um musical rooms today but it's called i am silent no more you can pick it up at barnes and noble online you can pick it up on amazon online or you can go to my website, Lindsay Piper Loomis minus the hyphen, lindsaypiperloomis.com and pick it up. And so the book basically um, takes you through the journey that I had giving my life to Christ at four, my encounter with God, my encounter with the spirit of death or angel of death, however you want to refer to it. And then um, being trafficked through the child protective services system, placed in domestic servitude for three and a half years where I was raped 
also, and then escaping to freedom at 16 and a half. And then from that journey, um, caring for my husband who uh, was severely wounded in the war and how I started fighting for him and during the Obama era, and then all the way through to my run for Congress. And then at the back of the book, there are seven steps that the Lord, um, you know, I saw a pattern that he took me through to walk me out of being um, a victim and a survivor to being an overcomer because that's encoded in our DNA inherently. That's how we were created. We, we came from a place of victory. Um, and so, uh, and then I talk about Zacchaeus and I go through those steps and I give reflective questions. One, if people are not believers, but also what is our, so the first step is awareness. Are you aware that you're a victim? Or are you aware that you're an overcomer? Um, and that changes your posture because when you're a victim, you're hearing the thoughts that Satan thinks about himself. Those are garments of clothing that he's trying to put on you. But because when he fell from heaven, he lost his righteous garments. And so when we become believers and we're also made in the image and likeness of God, um, we have different attire, different garments, if you will. And so when we're turned and interfacing with him, He's trying to put shame garments on us. He's trying to put all these things, but those aren't really our thoughts about ourselves. So then if we shift our awareness and our posture and we're facing God and interfacing with him, those garments cannot stand and sit on us. They have to flee. And then we begin to interface with God and what he says, his thoughts towards us are um, Psalm 139. And so, um, and I know that's mentioned elsewhere. So that's kind of like the first step. And so it just takes you through that. And so, um, yeah, I think that's everything. Fantastic. Well, friends, uh, this is part two of Lynn's Piper Loomis. If you wanted to catch part one again, go back to either our podcast channels or Rumble uh, because that interview was too hot for YouTube and and apparently Vimeo as well. Hey, I uh, really appreciate you, Lynn's. And you know, we'll be talking about things in the future as uh, there are more political developments over the, the coming years. I, I, I find what God is doing in your life to be really cool. And I look forward to what he's going to have you to do in the near future. So friends, you can also find her at lynnspiperloomis.com, like she said. Is that right? Yes. And uh, pick up her book while you're at it. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you'll discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast.